Hi everyone, it's Bill Smith from the Classic Camera Revival. And on today's episode, we have two Gen Xers and an honorary Gen Xer. We welcome Suzanne Peterson of the uh, Gen X Photography Podcast. Let's get that intro started. Welcome to the Classic Camera Revival, coming to you from the Greater Toronto Hamilton region of Ontario, Canada. If you don't have gear acquisition syndrome now, you most likely will by the end of the episode. And we're back. Hi, Suzanne. How's it going? Hi, it is going very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me. And welcome to the Classic Camera Revival. You had me on your show last year, I want to think. Yes. Time yes. is losing all meaning. Everything I know. Is, I was like, everything uh, is just yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yes, that was great. That was fun. It was a yeah. Fun. So, um, I know this is like that sort of dreaded intro question, especially if you get out of job interviews. Now, give give our audience a sense of who you are. How did you wind up embracing photography as a creative passion, and just sort of roll on from there? <laughs> okay. Um, who am I? <laughs> that is a hard question. Um, okay, so I'm Suzanne Peterson. Obviously, I've been uh, a photographer for many years, probably about at least. 25. I did start doing it professionally. So I have a portrait business outside of what I do with film. It is digital. Um, and I, in about 2017, I sort of, I love portraiture. Absolutely love photographing people. Started with my, my two girls and it just increased my interest in trying to get better at being a photographer. Mm. <laughs> um, and then in 2017, I really started playing around with film again. Um, I kind of got over just all the, I don't know. I find the film community very inclusive and welcoming. And I didn't necessarily find that. I'm not saying it isn't the other community. Um, I just, I didn't find that personally. And I really enjoy connecting with people that like to do what I like to do. So, um, you know, now I, my kids are grown up. And so I don't have them as models quite as readily, which is so sad, but <laughs> I have to take it when I can. Um, and so I really focus on nature photography. And currently I'm really focusing on black and white. Oh, nice. Not so really interested in color. You're based in Colorado. So you've got, you're blessed with landscapes that we can only dream about. We do have some very nice ones. <laughs> yes, and... the leaves are really gorgeous right now too. Oh, I know. Um, I it's turned up north with us, but it hasn't hit southern Ontario just yet. Okay. It's starting though. Oh, it is. Yeah. I, I, uh, um, the classic <laughs> camera revivals unofficial Facebook group, the Toronto Film Shooters. I, I've got a photo walk planned two weeks from now in Toronto's West End. Okay. Which will take us into Humber Valley. So hopefully, nice. I have timed it just right. Yeah. Is that is that normal timing for you guys to have? End of October, it's about right in the city because okay. I do an annual photography retreat up near Algonquin Park, which is about a two and a half hour drive north of us. And mm -hmm. the leaves start to turn that last September or first weekend, October. It's that's when things it sort of hits the peak up there. And okay. then it just so. The U.S. equivalent will probably be Michigan's Upper Peninsula will have been past its peak by the end of September. So then right. 
And then it's like, it just starts moving south. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's it also depends on it also depends on elevation as well. Yeah, it peaks definitely more in the mountains, but I've seen some photos of um, a couple people that I know through a local film thing here, and they are posting pictures from not even too far up. And it's incredible. I'm so sad that I haven't had the time or energy to get up there this year. But even in Denver, we've had a really good fall. We, you know, if we get one snow, they're gone. And we almost always have a snow by Halloween. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so what is the film community like in Colorado, like in the Denver area? Uh, so I've actually just recently started to meet other people locally. My my community has been online and I uh, took a film and flash course at a film lab that's called Not Another Film Lab. They're a great it's 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 one gal who runs it. She opened it, I think the anniversary of, of their her first year is just this weekend. Um, but they started putting on these just small little seminars. There were eight of us and um a guy Elliot came in and basically gave us the basic rundown on how to shoot flash with film. And so I started meeting people that way and finding out that there's actually quite a few people, <laughs> um, which I suspected there was, but I didn't really have any avenue of meeting those people. So yeah, it's really neat. You don't know for sure until someone, you know, decides to start something up. Yes, exactly. So that, that was really cool. And it's, I, it actually is a pretty, it's a pretty good community. Um, I also joined the, it's called the Colorado Photographic Art Center, so CPAC, and they have a combination of film and digital shooters, but it's also another good community that I really would like to become a little bit more involved in. I just, just with life and stuff going on right now, I just haven't had the, the time, but it's something I would like to sort of venture into because it's, it's a whole different group of eyes and minds and ways mm -hmm. that, that I see necessarily just on social media. And it'd be fun just to, you know, meet people in person too. Oh, it it is it is really awesome to have a in person uh, photography group. Yeah, yeah, we're we're blessed where we are. There's a very large. I think the community is far larger than we probably realize. And like, you know, we have the Toronto Film Shooters, which is a large online community. We have a bunch of usual suspects who show up to the photo walks, along with new people who are showing up. But it's even then, I think it's still scratching the surface. It's just a lot of people are off doing their own thing or they belong to other communities we're just not aware of. Right. Which is, you know, most likely the case. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've no Go ahead. Toronto Alex. Film Shooters does tend to aim more towards the, the boomer, Gen X, elder millennial crowd. Yeah. Whereas there's the Toronto Analog Friend, which is more younger millennial, Gen Z. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. We've had a couple of film walks. So there's a, a couple of, um, it's called Victory Camera. It's a yeah. reseller in uh, in Denver. So there's what, a location in Boulder, and then they just opened another one in Denver. And I think they've kind of collaborated with maybe not another film lab, but they've been putting on photo walks as well. But they're typically at a time that I never can make. Um, so I don't know what their age group is. I would suspect a wide age group, but I'm not sure. I, I've <laughs> bought from victory camera in the past they're they they they're good people like i picked yeah. up yeah yeah they do they are good people. i picked I up it. a wide angle i think a 35 millimeter f 2.5 lens for my nikon rangefinder kit which mm -hmm. is sort of just been sort of well let's just say took on the advance from my inheritance and just month of <laughs> july who knew i was <laughs> going to get into nikon rangefinder <laughs> oh that was the 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 s 
the S2 and the SP. <laughs> S2 and SP. Okay. And you love them? Oh, I love them. They're great cameras to shoot with. That's so cool. The S, I think I've seen pictures of the S and, you know, when you're like browsing around looking at Leicas and things just to look. <laughs> and I remember seeing that one. I'm like, oh, that's a pretty camera. Oh, they're cool. The glass yeah. is lovely. Yes. I know you, you've uh, shot Olympus a fair bit. I know you also have like an F5, I guess, so you can use your crossover with your DSLR, uh, Nikon DSLR G glass. Uh, what, what do you like to reach for and why? Um, um, honestly, I almost always use my FE2 now. Mm. It's absolutely hands down my favorite camera. I have two of them. Yeah. So I ended up buying one from Sherry Christensen was my first one. And she just randomly happened to have one. And I was like, oh, well, I've heard good things about that. So sure, why not try it? And tried it and absolutely fell in love with it. So um, so then I bought a second one because I wanted to have I wanted to have one potentially loaded with color and one potentially loaded with black and white. And and it's worked out very well because that's how I have my, my Olympus, my OM1 and my OM2. I would always have a color and a black and white. And that way, if I'm on vacation or something, I don't have to choose and felt good. So I yeah. love that camera. I ran that this past summer. Um, I was sitting at my brother's place. I had a, my Nikon F3T color body, and I then used my Nikon SP as the black and white body. Okay. My most recent trip, I think it was this a replay of what I did 10 years ago. I used the Nikon F3T again for the color, and then the Nikon FM2T for black and white. I've done FE2 in the past. I have a pair of them. You're speaking to the converted here. So we'll just. Yeah. My FE2. Yeah. Yay. <laughs> yeah. They're so. Un... Team FE2. Everyone goes gaga for the FM2. The FE2 is a, it's a lovely, it's a lovely beast. It is. Yeah. And I mean, I honestly, I really like to shoot on just the auto setting. Yeah. The metering is fantastic. I, I don't have to think too much, you know, it's like, I can just really get out there. And I, if there's a tricky lighting situation or something I need to, I don't hesitate to, you know, switch it over to manual, but I love shooting that thing in auto. It's yeah. Aperture priority is lovely. Yes. Yes. And I'm always shooting it with a 50. Okay. I was oh. about to ask what, what sort of lenses do you have for your um, uh, FE2? So I have the 51.4 and Good I choice. have a, yeah, it's probably my favorite lens. I did buy another 51.8 just so I would have two because who wants to have to change it? <laughs> First world problems. Um, but found one at my Mike's camera for use. Uh, I have a 28, 2.8, which I also really like. I, I probably switched back and forth between the 28 and the 50, but so often that 28 feels so wide that I only use it if all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I need more space in here, you know, quickly switch it out. But um, then I do still have the 80. But I don't think I've even used my 85 1.4 on that camera. I typically use it on the F5 or on my digital, but I do have an 85 1.4 that's beautiful. Oh, nice. Yeah, I have. Um, sometimes I actually find the 28 not wide enough. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So I have um, I have the 28.35 and a 24.28. Oh, okay. So you, you lean more towards the 24? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, my personal circumstances, I've used the 24 a lot for landscape work when I just need to move a bit, just cram a bit more in. But for for street work, I love using my 35 F2. Oh, yes. Just I have a 35 enough, but plenty fast. Like it's, and regardless, I have them in, 
everything from the pre-AI version up to AFD. So okay. Yeah, I don't I definitely do not have as much as you all have. <laughs> but I do have a 35 that I use on my digital. And that's when I do portrait shoots, I have a 35 on one body and my 85 on the other. That's and a perfect combo. For me, it's a great combo. Great combo. Oh, yeah, portrait, portrait 85 or um 105. A 105. Oh yeah. yeah. We were yeah, talking I'd, about that, I think, the other day. I would look for a 105.25 for the FE2. Oh, great lenses. Okay. Either an AI or the AIS. The AIS has the integrated lens hood. The AI, you got to get an accessory lens hood. But that's, you know, comes down to what do you like? If you see one in Victory Camera, look at them side by side and say, which one can I live with? Right. Okay. That's fair. I'm going to have to make a note of that. So if you're shooting black and white mostly, what's your go-to film stocks? So I have my my favorite, well, see, now I can't really say it's my favorite. My favorite before I tried another couple of films was FOMA 400. Oh, um, FOMA. Nice. Yeah. And once I found out how to develop it, like I was shooting 100, 200, and 400. My 100 and 200 developed beautifully. My 400 just was, my highlights were always blown. And so I talked to Eric of Conspiracy of Cartographers, and he said, I love my FOMA with F76+. Plus. So I'm like, I'll give it a shot. And I did it, and it's like like clockwork. I'll never change up that combination. So that's that's mm-hmm. definitely a number one go-to. Um, I really enjoy the Atlanta Film Company's Double X, BXX. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Double X. Um, I was a tester for, for Bell or for Atlanta Film Company, and really enjoyed that film. I really hadn't shot it much before, but I will be now. And then what are the other two? I did try Ultrafine Finesse. I I thought when I was buying it that it was the Ultrafine that everybody raves so much about, but apparently no, that the was extreme. Extreme, yeah. And um which do you know what that film is? I think that Finesse might be FOMA. I'm guessing it might be like I love FOMA 400 because it's got that 1970s Tri-X look. And I process mine in Ilfatech HC and I rate, okay. I'm shooting the film at 250 ISO, but processing for the 400 speed time. Okay. Okay. Yeah. My, my other last favorite is the Kodak or it might be Eastman 2238. And I shoot it at 12 ISO and I. Oh, I, that's one of those. That's a really slow one. Yeah. That's nice. It's so gorgeous. Like I, yeah. I found a seller online and I bought, he was selling it at, like the most ridiculously wonderful price, I bought all of it. <laughs> so nice. I'm like, what if I can't ever get it again? It was just so good. So th- those are really my four that I'll do. I, ha- I have a handful of other things in the freezer, but I really, I'm sort of at a stage where I don't really want to, I want to know what I'm going to get. Yeah. And what I expect. And so I'm, I'm kind of sticking to those, those four. Well, I mean, one of the best things about film photography that you can do that you can go like okay yeah i want to experiment with everything yeah and then at some point it's like well you know what i really just want to stick to these few because i really know how to get the results i want yeah Mm. exactly totally i'm in that process because i still have i think a bulk roll of orwell un54 left prior to the current ownership and sitting in the fridge and I think once that's done, I think I'm just going to go Fomapan 100, Fomapan 400 in the bulk loaders. Yes. I, also, FP4, which I really love that film. I oh. haven't shot any yet this year. And it's like, I, I've got the bulk loader on my desk. I'm like, I, no, I can't do it up because 
I'm moving, you know, the house goes on the market in the month and I, you know, I'm dialing back my black and white. Like I'm just going to black and white process for frugal film project and that's it. And the rest of it, right. I'm just going to shoot color for the rest of the year, even into the gloom season. Cause it's just sort of like you drop it at the lab. Yeah. I just dropped the color film off the lab and, uh, yeah. you know, it's a pain in the ass. So I got to start figuring out how to move photochemistry. <laughs> oh yeah. That's no, been mixed. And we're no. going into winter. Yeah, because I close the, the hairs. If it does sell, we'll probably close in January. <laughs> of course, <laughs> the best okay. time is moving. Yeah, Get up your car first, then bring the chemistry in. There That's what I'm gonna do. I guess just it's more like just move it from A to B. It's just more like pounding it all back. It's like I'm not gonna mix up any more D76. Then I gotta put all that away. And you've moved house. You know what the drill is, Suzanne. <laughs> yes. In fact, yes. I could use pointers. <laughs> Oh, it's so not fun. Oh, I know. I'm hoping to never move again. Chris and I are like, this is our house we will die in <laughs> because we do not want to move again. I've moved once in my life, never again. I know. You're like, nope, no, nope, I'm This good. is the first time in a very long time. And it's the first time with a camera collection and a dark room. And I don't know how I'm going to move. Yeah. See, I, oh no, I did have my enlarger. I, I bought, I had one enlarger, but then I bought the one, the Bessler that I use now. I bought that. Right after we had moved in, I came across a guy who very close to my house, oddly even enough, better. I know, was selling the, and he even offered to bring it over if I couldn't fit it in. I'm like, okay. Uh, but I was able to get it in my car. But yeah, you had the enlarger and a bunch of trays and timer and all kinds of stuff. It was great. Mm. I just tried FP4 actually in large format. Oh, nice. it was very nice. That's going to look like, gorgeous. Yeah. And it was in the, in the pinhole, which, but still it, it, it was beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So if I'm um, going through my own brain, because you're also a fellow podcaster, how do you, and again, it's sort of like, we're lucky here on the CCR because we're all in the same time zone. Yeah. Even though Jess is in Quebec and we're about a seven hour drive West in Ontario. Okay. Uh, you're in a, you and Mario were in two different, like. Yeah. Yeah. Mario and Julie are in your time zone. <laughs> Yeah, you're two hours west uh, west of us, two time zones west. Yeah, yes. I'm two time zones west. Yeah. So how do you find working remotely? What guy, how, how did Gen X come together? Because like, who, who, whose brainchild was it? So, well, the, it was Mario's. So Mario started it. He probably, I don't even know how many episodes he did, but he interviewed me for one of his episodes and we just clicked and he's like hey would you like to be a co-host and so I'm like yeah of course so then we did it for a little while and then his wife Julie started getting into film photography as well and we're like hey let's make it all three of us and so that's we just kept yeah, we with it. so how many how many seasons have you been in so far uh so we're on I think he just recorded he recorded this last weekend 60 eight or no maybe 60 I can't remember I just listened to it today I feel bad I don't remember what the number was but it's right around 60 ish oh, okay and I've been there for I think a couple years I I think we're one of the few that actually um organizes ourselves in seasons and that's only because our model is kind of based on what the FPP did okay yeah so we, you, we do what do you mean organized by seasons uh I I I I like things to be nice neat and orderly especially within the online realm okay. i'd like a little bit of chaos in my actual <laughs> but yeah i don't i don't know why 
I decided to do season I guess it's just means that if we needed to take oh hey you know what we're doing a summer break or we're doing a mid-season I... break can do that we so are you in the fall season now um we actually run with the calendar so the season starts in january ends in december oh okay oh i see okay so it's a whole year <laughs> yep. awesome and we probably should do an end of year round table episode oh i already know what we're doing for the end of the year oh can't wait <laughs> I think we do need another shambolic, almost falls apart, sleazy double entendre zoom lens episode. The <laughs> one we did a few years ago. <laughs> oh, we have to wait for Jess and Jody to actually. Oh yeah, we got to do because we're again the big other big bonus is we can sometimes do in person recording. Oh, that'd be so fun. Oh, it is. And I would love that. The three of us could sit in the <laughs> Mario, Julie, and I. If we were all just hanging out. Be cool. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. I don't know why I went blurry there. I moved out of the way, and all of a sudden, I'm blurry. Okay, there we go. Oh, <laughs> too many old fashions. Yeah, it's too many old fashions, right? Like, am I blurry to you guys, or just to myself? Oh, it's 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 the old fashions. We'll just blame the old fashions. We'll we'll blame that. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you got any. Um, guests sort of you're you're hoping to get on the show in the future or or is um, that still kind of under wraps it well I, I don't know that it's necessarily trying to be under wraps i'm i'm not sure mario usually he lines everything up okay so um i do know of one i'm not going to say it just because i don't know how they would feel <laughs> about it but one that i'm very excited is coming up that's very much my very much my taste Oh, okay. I will just yeah. have to be patient. That's right. You just have to listen towards the end of the year. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, another question is, have you been, uh, has gas affected you at all this year? You know, not, not too much. I oddly can say that for the first time. <laughs> um, kind of like with the film, I'm just, I'm sort of settled into this place of, mm-hmm. I just, I just want to create and yeah. I'm not. I, I found that camera that like it with the FE2. So the FE2 for my 35. And then I, I did get the pinhole. So I got the large format pinhole, which one of my friends totally <laughs> enabled me on doing that, which I'm actually quite glad because it's cheap. You know, it was a $65 camera and mm-hmm. I've had so much fun. Like what a game changer large format is for me. Um, pinhole and large format just go together so well. Oh my gosh. Right. I, I had no idea. And the only, the only hard part I think about it is um, I, I do shoot a lot of paper in there just because I am learning and it's cheaper. And mm-hmm. I also really like the look. I mean, I like that super contrasty look. Um, but I did, somebody mentioned to me that people flash their paper, pre-flash their paper before they do pinhole on paper. I'd heard about it in the dark room. I've never done it, but it's something I might investigate just to see how it might tone down the highlights a little bit. But, yeah, that's what I've 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 heard that too. Again, okay. from the darkroom side of thing. Yeah, and I I don't know like I don't know like how when you flash paper. I mean, I've got like a big bright LED in my in my darkroom when I don't have a red light on. So I'm like that might be too much. Like I don't I don't I have no idea. So I eventually I'll try it. But that's I, really... I would reach out to Matt Mirage. Oh yeah yeah yeah. You know I actually did leave him a message on his large format thing. Uh, because what was I asking him? I can't remember. No, <laughs> hopefully he'll answer back and I will remember what I asked him. But mm. boy, he is he is such a great guy. I've enjoyed 
his videos immensely and I'm learning. And the way he breaks it down is just so like easy to absorb for something that's so different mm. than what I was used to. Oh, totally. I mean, a lot of what I do in large format is because of what I have learned and talked with Matt Mar mm. Yeah. Yeah. I've been again, going back am, to the large format Fridays. Just so used to shooting lenses stopped all the way down to F64. I don't, as cool as large format and pinhole was, I don't think I could handle it. Yeah. I I would like to delve into a lens camera. The only the only camera that I think I bought, if I remember correctly, is that one. But I, I have a potential opportunity to get um a zone six large format camera. Mm, and nice. I so I take a 365 course at through a local photography school and it's kind of just a it's like it's not really a class it's more like a get together of people who just want to be involved in a 365 project I don't really adhere to the photo every day which I really wanted to at first but it just didn't end up happening like that for me mm. but a lot of people use it just okay it's going to encourage me to get out and shoot but um anyway the the instructor there he has a zone six that sits right in the, the place where we meet and I'm always like oh that is one pretty cute. <laughs> it's like beautiful wood. I don't, I'm not sure what the lens is on it, but he, he mentioned that he has that one in a couple other large format that he will eventually be getting rid of. And I was like, don't get rid of them until you talk to me. Well, you got to tell him point blank. I want first right of refusal. Yeah, I know yeah. I do. And I know I'm like, right now there was a gal in the class that actually introduced me to this class. And she was also a film shooter here locally and she ended up moving to New York so right now I'm the only one in the in the course that does film and so I'm like it's it's got to be you got to tell me first dude <laughs> so he I'm sure he will but I I reached out to Kate Miller Wilson because she I I knew that she shoots with one of those and oh, nice just yeah and just to see okay if I'm like I don't want to get into a starter my I, I look at my pinhole as a, a starter camera I'd rather get into something that I could even grow into. I'm not like in a huge rush to learn everything, know everything about it right away. I'm fine growing into it, but I don't want to have to buy over and over and over. You know what I mean? I just, I kind of like to get into something that I think could be really a good solid camera. And she said that could be the last large format camera you buy. She loved it. She loves hers. That's one of the joys of large format. You can purchase one and that can be your last one. Yeah. And being in Colorado with the mountains, having a zone six, which is a nice field camera, you'll have all the movements you need to make beautiful landscape. That's that was one thing I was I again, I don't know very much about it, but I knew that movements were what I wanted. And I'm like, I don't want one that I can just take it like it like a normal camera. I want movements. <laughs> so mm -hmm. is another thing called selective focus, or is that the same thing as movements? Yeah. yeah. Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I that's very exciting for me. So that will probably be the only other piece of equipment that I buy if I end up buying it this year. And then you'll want more lenses. And then I'll want more lenses, I know. But boy, I hear that those lenses are bank. Uh, depends on what you get. Okay. I, I go with some older Fuji ones and okay. you can actually find some really good deal from uh, Japan. Okay. Good to know. I might reach out to you if I need that. <laughs> there we if go. I need, if I need some information. Do you shoot medium format as well? Yeah. Yep. I have so are you the, more a TLR or medium format SLR? Uh, I, that's because, I mean, I love, so my favorite is probably the Ashika EM TLR. Oh, um, TLR, nice. I haven't, what's that? Nice, Yashikas. 
Yeah, I like it. I do have a Rolleiflex. It's not like a high-end one, but I got it because it's a Rolleiflex. I need to have one of those, right? Oh, and of I course. I actually like my Ashika better. <laughs> so it's just, it's for some reason, it's just easier for me to use. Um, the Rolly has a, like the, all the F-stops are maybe older. So they're not what we're used to. Okay. Yeah, they're probably. You know what I'm talking I'm about? Instead of one one twenty fifth, it's one one hundredth. Yeah, yeah. So oh, it could yeah, be so a pre war. It could be a pre war model. The problem is, it's like I have an early Leica M three, and it has that same sort of thing. It's the one one hundredth as opposed to the one one fifth. So it's like black and white negative film. It's like eh, close enough. Yeah, uh, if you're shooting slide, that could be another ball game altogether, or you just sort of go up to one two fiftieth. Yeah, I just kind of put adjust it, your I, aperture I, accordingly. Yeah, if I if I meter it and it's and it looks like something that I it's it's not on the camera, I just mm -hmm. kind of go around there somewhere. And you I budget. Yeah, mm -hmm. I budget for sure. I so I do I really like the TLRs. Um I have a Mamiya 645 and I actually really like my Holga. <laughs> and I think that's the only other oh I have I have a little um Agfa Isolette, little fold-up camera. Oh nice. Which, Those are so much fun. There, you know, I found it really hard because of the range, because I'm not used to range finders. But then when I bought the little uh, Voigtlander external that I could use, it made it a little bit better. Nice. Helped me with that. But oh my gosh, that that camera produces some of the sharpest images I've seen on film images. When you get it right, I was blown away. I'm like, you know, on my screen, zooming in, I'm like, what the heck? This is not a digital picture, but it looks so clear mm. yeah, yeah I, bought, I bought that one so many years ago before i re really was even back into film for mm. whatever reason i bought one i don't even think i knew what medium format film was, <laughs> was i think it's more a case it, it looked pretty it looked pretty and then, exactly. then when you're getting in the film it's like oh i've got oh the camera there let's take a look at online what it is and oh it takes this and here's the yep. manual exactly that's exactly what happened but yeah, so that's those are I think the extent of my medium formats. Not that much, but I enjoy I enjoy the Mamiya. It's just it's heavy, but I really like it. Got you find lenses. the which which six four five do you have from Mamiya? It's a really early one. So an M six four five. Yeah. Oh, those are great cameras. Love mine. Yeah, and that shutter is just like so satisfying. <laughs> but I remember when I first got it, I I got the one hundred five. And I have an 80 and I think I have a 45, but I pretty much just shoot with the 80, but the one, both the 80 and the 105 are just really, really yeah. beautiful. Make some beautiful images. Yeah. I have the 150, um, the 153.5, um, the 82.8, the 45.28 and the 35.35. Okay. And the 35 pretty much lives on the camera. Okay. Interesting. Oh yeah. Cause you like the wide. Cause I'm I pretty like much the with the 80. See, I wonder if mine's actually a 150, not a 105. I could be wrong on that. Probably it's a 150. Uh, I bet it's a 150. <laughs> when you said that, I was like, Ooh, I think I got that wrong. I haven't it's funny. Cause it's like, I never got into 645. I got sort of like 35, 120, six by six form factor. And heavy is a relative term. The Mamiya C220F is a boat ink. Oh, even but I love the idea of a TLR with interchangeable lenses. <laughs> oh, yes. That's the only thing that I wish is that I could have an interchangeable lens. Because I really like to get close. I like to get shallow depth of field. 
And you just can't quite do that with the Ashika. Yeah, you need a Rolinar or the Ashika equivalent. You can use a, Rol a Bay 1 Rolinar, but get, finding Bay 1 Rolinars, they're kind of not cheap. Mm. Yeah, I don't I I ended up getting into the Mamiya because it was sort of my first foray. It was early on in my film, my mm. reintroduction to film. And I was referred to this guy who is an eBay seller locally. And I went out there and talked to him and he recommended this camera. And he it's, I still remember our conversations. He's like, I don't know why anybody would want one of those um, Pentax six sevens. And I, I remember looking over and he has all these because they're, you know, they're pretty big, hefty cameras. But now I'm like, why wouldn't you want that camera? But he was like, no, get, go into this one. This one's really intuitive. And I'm like, okay, fine. And it's, it's a great camera. I love it. Love my Mamiya. I would love a Pentax. I know. <laughs> when, James has one. I didn't know one. that then. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. Why would they James want that? has one and it's like. Uh, yes, but he has a 672. And the best part is if I need to borrow it, I can just borrow it. There you go. Yeah, but James is local to you. Yep. <laughs> You're like, yes, he is. Yeah, the six seven. It's like one. I think one medium format, one twenty. I'd like. I I would probably spring for and not blink an eye is the uh, the Fujica six by nine. Oh, I've heard of that. AKA one. the Texas Leica. Okay. Yeah, my brother has the third generation one, and it's sort of I never load it properly, so I always lose a frame. But the frames I do have. Oh my god, this this it's like it's like large format without the hassle. Okay, interesting. And yeah. they're just gorgeous. And it's like, I'm probably, if I were to get one, I'd get like a second generation one. Yeah, the Gen 2s are nice. Yeah, and I'd probably just get it with the regular lens and roll with that. What's they the regular cost, lens on there? Um, they're about a thousand bucks, I think. Yeah, uh, the regular lens is a 90. Okay. Yeah, that sounds about right. And they go for about a grand and a bit. You got to keep an eye on the shutter count between servicing ah i know I'm, I'm a little concerned at how much this zone six would go for if i i've looked them up so i know they're not cheap but i also know that he probably will give me a pretty fair I price think the secret is if you look for what the high price is what the bargain basement price is you'll probably be somewhere in the middle yeah generally well, that's how it works he, well he's also like i think he really likes the idea of it going to i don't think he honestly really care. he cares about the money but i don't think he's like trying to sell it as oh this good money maker for me no he sold me his um it's a big press heat press for fiber prints and okay and the thing is like monstrous i looked it up on bnh and they sell for like three thousand dollars but mm -hmm. new and he sold it to me for three hundred dollars and Bad. it's basically new and I think you could probably get them on eBay used for, I don't know, three to $400. But I felt like it was a very, I mean, I was happy with it. <laughs> and I tried it out and it works fantastically. Oh, to so, have one of those presses would be great. Unfortunately, like, again, it's like space. Oh, it is. It is huge. I have it. I've, I brought it home and I'm like, where the heck am I going to put this thing? But I've got an extra, I have an extra table in my dark room. I have my sink here and then a table here. That I was always kind of use that when I have chemistry out or whatever, and now I, I that takes up more than half of it, but that's okay. I have the space, so it's all good. Yeah, I brought in prints one night that were uh, for one of my 365 images, and it was all curled up, and I was like, oh, I haven't had a 
chance to go get it flattened out because I at the gym there's a, a friend of ours um has a t-shirt printing company mm-hmm. he's in the space one over so I'd always go over there and use his, his heat press. <laughs> and he goes but wouldn't you like to have one of your own I'm like well sure he goes I have one I'm like okay there you so, go so do you prefer printing with fiber um I don't know that I've done enough of it to have a preference I think ultimately if it's a print that I really feel that I really love, I would like to have it end in a fiber print. That makes sense. Yeah. And I, I do, um, I like lith printing and that's typically fiber. It's like the look of it. It's a little bit, you have to, you have to have patience. Yeah. I've <laughs> never long. lith printed. I, I've sort of, uh, I like Ilford's art 300 paper, which is ridiculously expensive, but the results are. Is it fiber or? It is. It's a cotton rag. Oh, okay. That's tr- unlike a double weight paper, which Ilford or Foma, oh. Adox, if you can find it, um, the Art 300's triple weight. Oh, dang. So it's got a bit of heft to it. So you yeah. know it's going to outlast your grandkids. <laughs> right? Oh, I love that. I was doing some um, printing, some cyanotype printing, and I did it on this Hanamiel paper that's like, mm. I mean, it's thick. It's very thick. It was like a... I don't know how they rate them. I have the packaging, but so yeah, you have single weight, double weight, triple weight, and I think Ilford's Art Three Hundred uses Honey Mule to make. Oh, Three Hundred. It said yeah. that on the packaging. Three Hundred. Oh yeah, so that's like it, it from from the vi- our video. It looks like it's the Three Hundred weight, and it's like, yeah, that's a nice hefty paper to print it's, on. It's so cool. There's something about having that too, and this is I'm sure totally psychological, but just having it on that heavy paper. Just makes it feel so good. Permanent. Yeah. Yeah. And we, you know, it's it, it just because a lot of stuff these days is kind of ephemeral, especially, you know, you know, Instagram and all that, uh, yeah. and other social media platforms. But it's like, yeah, if James were here, he'd say, Yeah, print your work. Yeah, that's what you're doing. And I like I haven't done much this year because it's just sort of life got in the way. Yeah. I actually haven't done much this year either, but I think it's because well, I did more. In the winter, and it might have even been used to telling me that you usually print more in the winter, shoot more in the summer. Um, well, it's I, I tend to well historically speaking, I usually printed because le- I ski in the winter, so it's like my weekends. Oh. It's like, I'm on the slopes, right? So generally, my print seasons are basically from the end of October to like Christmas time, and then from like the end of March to May. But then I got a girlfriend two years ago, and that's cut into that even. <laughs> got into that time I know it does it does make a difference and that's you know you don't want to just spend your whole time in the dark room you want to hang out no. with your your partner but oh, yeah. I I'm the same way but I'm I'm excited now that there's less I mean it's so drastically different for are, are you noticing the shift in light between oh, yeah and, yeah so oh yeah like um, 6 30 and it was already feeling dark I'm like uh oh I know it's like um but even then, it's like uh, I've been shooting a lot of flick film Electro 100 over the summer, and it's a weird. Like Alex has tested the heck out of it and swears it's probably closer to a 200 ISO film, but I, it's got a red cast to it. It's also, I think, very infrared sensitive because it's Aerocolor 4. It's a surveillance film. Yeah, so I wouldn't probably be best that, at 125. But I wouldn't shoot it in November unless you're keen to play in Lightroom to kill that red cast. Uh, it might work with fall colors. Oh, it would. But the color film I adore is, oddly enough, uh, Atlanta Film Company's of Fjork 100. Cheap Actochrome. Wait, which oh, yeah. which one? 
Euphoric 100. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cheap Ektachrome 100. I'm like, I love that stuff. I, I yeah. shot this this summer. I've got two rolls that are going to downtown camera tomorrow for processing for my nice. all trip up north. We'll have to wait a few weeks before I can scan that. Uh, oh, it's going to be exciting. Oh, I can't wait because it's got like, it's all fall colors up where I was. And from what I had this past summer, it's just like, oh, wow. And this is like the F3 on aperture priority most of the time. Okay. So I like the FE2. It's the same deal. It's just yeah. uh, the way the meter weighting is slightly different. I think it's 70-30 versus 60-40. So what do, what do you mean by that? The uh, center weighted. Wait. So it takes more oh. 70% of the meter reading from the center spot. Got and it. 30%. Whereas the FE2 is the standard 60-40 from Nikon. See, I don't know this technical stuff. <laughs> I just know it works like I like it. <laughs> well, yeah, and that's the thing. Yeah. That's one of the best parts about film photography. You can take it as far or as less as you want. For sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can, yes. you can go and mix up your own developers and tweak it to just the way that you like, or just send it to the lab and let them or just with it. send it off. Yeah, we interviewed a woman out of San Francisco a few years ago. She used to homebrew her own ECN2 chemistry. What? That's cool. Oh, yeah. She got her own Walter White on. Um, granted, the, I, I don't think the, uh, the local hazmat authority would be as keen, but mm-hmm. yeah, she was shooting a lot of expired Fuji stock through her Olympus bodies. And like this is like Fuji Eterna 150, 160. Yeah. Like the the Koji stuff that that Bill spooled up for uh, Atlanta Film Company, like she was shooting a fair bit of that. But it was like you know she's she was fortunate that she's in California. There's the film industry, so there's more stocks of that floating about somewhere than say, you know, Denver, Colorado, or Florida, or wherever. Right. I I actually speaking of hazmat, just I was out in the garage looking for something, and I noticed that one of my bottles that say toxic on it that has my old fixer and stuff that I need to take to the mm. hazardous, you know, just disposal, it broke. But fortunately, it's sitting in a giant tub. So, so you got to read decant that down. You got to what? You got to read decant that down back into a bottle before you can Oh, yeah, right? Well, I think it's all dry now. I don't know how to, I guess I could just scrape it out. I mean, it's, I think it broke a lot. It probably broke because it was outside in the winter. And it froze and mm. oh, the rest of mine are inside. They're in my dark room, just under. I, I need to make a trip. I have far too many. <laughs> but yeah, I just noticed that. I was like, oh, at least mm. it broke in, in some, something that was contained. So I'm not spreading that out into the world. No, no, no. So uh, let's see here. I'm coming out of the top of my head. Uh, is there a question we haven't asked that you dearly love us to ask? No, <laughs> I don't think so. Okay. I'm just chit-chatting. Oh, I know. And uh, have you got any sort of projects and plans coming up for shooting or is it just sort of get through the day? Um, Actually, so, yeah, I mean, the what I was showing you with the cyanotypes, I that's sort of a, a project that turned into a project. Um, and it's all self-portraits. And I once I developed the film and I scanned them and I'm looking at them and I actually messed up my film. So mm-hmm. I didn't put enough uh, developer in. So um, I had this lovely white line across. However, I was able to save them for the most part. But I started thinking, um, 
I was thinking of when I when I shot the the images and why I shot the images. And I'm like, this needs to be like a little mini project because I don't usually do projects for some mm. reason. I wish I I wish I was that person who could really focus in on, okay, I want to do a project on flowers in the Southwest. I don't know. But I, I just haven't been able to do that. And when I when I saw those negatives, I'm like, this definitely feels like a small body of work. And so I wanted to print them on the cyanotype, partly because I thought it would help with my error in like I could kind of fix it a little bit in Lightroom with the um the slider that you know get rid of that that white strip but the cyanotype looked better so that that's kind of one thing that I I would like to get these better I mean I, I like I kind of like how they came out mm -hmm. but I think I could do better I think I could make them look more like I'd like them to look and then um I don't really have anything particular that I'm that I'm looking to do other than just keep shooting and enjoying it. Projects can be tough. Yeah. Do you guys do projects? Oh, oh, all the time. Do you? Are you, do you work better like that? Like if you like have a set? Yeah. I I kind of like having something that I can really plug away with, plug away at. Yeah. Um, most, most of my photography projects have a historical element to them. Okay. Because I love history. I love photography. And, and I drive historical societies nuts because... <laughs> I will research the subjects, tell the history of whatever I'm doing, but the photography I include are what it looks like today. Right. So I don't really go and include historical images. Mm -hmm. I just, I, it's like, hey, look, you know what? This, this thing that you walk by every day, well, this is what it was part of, or mm -hmm. this is what happened on the street corner 200 years ago, 150. So it's kind of like bringing a modern context to history. That's cool. I like that a lot. And that just spot, that just came out of your interest in history and then just connecting it to where we're at oh, yeah. today. Mm -hmm. And making making history interesting. Like, mm -hmm. It's not just dates and names, figures, it's stories. I like that. I, um, I was never a person who liked history. I actually like it more now. But growing up, my my mom was a history major. And so was always about history. And I'm like, oh, it was so boring to me. Um, but but I see what you're saying. And I, I actually do enjoy it a lot more now, especially getting involved in like what we're talking about, you know, <laughs> film it's, photography. It's all about having the right teacher. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, that's absolutely, absolutely true. That's cool. Bill, do you work around projects? I have done a couple of exhibits in the past. I did one with a group of friends. Um, there's a geographic area around sort of southern Ontario called the GTA Greenbelt, which is always under sort of constant pressure because suburban real estate developers would dearly love to build on it because it's cheap. Yeah. And because it's cheaper to build on farmland than it is on what's called Brownfield, where you got to sort of repurpose an old industrial site. Okay. They just don't want to do it. They're just cheap and they want to make a quick. And yeah. I did a project with two other friends on it. We did an exhibit at a gallery in the west part of Oakville called Sovereign House. And then the following year, I did a project. I think it was around 2011. I did a project with my brother called After Dark. Mm -hmm. And by then he was living, he was doing a, a three-year assignment in New York City. So he was shooting around Lower Manhattan after dark. Cool. Plus, he's also stuff around his neighborhood in Toronto and uh, 
we put together an exhibit with that again at the same gallery the following year. I had a couple of prints sell. I, I haven't done, I've, I've done exhibit. I did another exhibit at the Queen Elizabeth Park Community Cultural Center with this group, the, the people I do the photography retreat with. We did an exhibit and we had it hang in the halls for a couple of months and we've even sold a few pieces. Oh, nice. Yeah. So it's like, I, I'm more of a regular documentarian what's going on around me. But again, it's sort of like a project. I think it's sort of like the right idea. I think right now I just want to get through the year of chaos. I'm sure. Yeah. He's like, I've got other things on my mind. I know. Yeah, I I haven't picked up a camera in a few weeks. It's really seriously since my long weekend up north. And it's like, you get the itch. Yeah, I got to shoot my frugal film roll. I'm going to do that tomorrow. That's good. Frugal film is uh, next week when I'm in Ottawa. Ah, no, I'm in the city tomorrow and I got to drop some film off. I got to pick some other stuff up, meet up with my girlfriend. We come back to Oakville together for the weekend to clean the house out. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just sort of say to my friends, I hope you aren't planning to live vicariously through my decadent and debaucherous life because there isn't. (laughs) Because it's not happening. (laughs) Well, it's more like right now it's, clean house it doesn't look like it behind me but upstairs we've purged bookcases looks like a bomb went off yep yeah but it'll all be good it will it will for sure yeah so we'll see it just sort of comes down to it. it's like uh and it's weird because it's like right now it's like i think my local camera pusher says yeah we got this like mint black nikon f with an f36 motor drive coming in in a few weeks and it's like perfect like and I'm just sitting here going, I've got five of them already. <laughs> I do. The, the 20 millimeter lens intrigues me. But again, it comes down to I've got a packet and move it. Right. And that's it's everything. So small. Well, it is small. And I, 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 you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm an enabler. <laughs> oh, the, the, the second rate, the SP was my girlfriend. Usually my brother's my worst enabler, but my girlfriend, Joanne, is like, we were do it. downtown camera in the U section and, 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 uh, Suzanne, if you go to that use section, your jaw would just drop. Oh, oh yeah, amazing? the downtown camera one. Yeah, that SP was sitting there. I thought naively, oh, I'll just look for some used Voigtlander glass for the M3 and the M42. Oh, no, the SP was there with the 514 just calling my name. Yeah. Yep. And 1200 US later. Yeah, <laughs> we are. There you go. You got it. That's cool, though. I mean, how often do you find that, you know? Very rare. And it's sort of like I've seen them in pictures. I've seen them at at camera shows under glass. But it was sort of like I never thought in a million years I'd wind up with the Nikon rangefinder system. But it's like, oh, it's a joy to shoot with. Yeah. And it still takes all the regular F mount. No, it takes Um, S mount. It's like contacts. It is so close to being the uh, contacts RF mount that you can actually interchange. Oh, okay. Someone did a whole experiment about it and measured them. They're like micrometers in rinse. Yeah. And okay. the only difference between both systems is the Nikon rangefinder shutter camera repair techs will touch. <laughs> so so Nikon did something smart. They took the mount and the external body type from Zeiss Icon and the internals from lights and built probably what it the perfect 35 millimeter rangefinder. Pretty much. And here we are, Suzanne, the gears are starting to turn in her head and going, gee. I know. <laughs> just got to no. sell a few more memberships with my gym. Right, exactly. I, I and need maybe to I can get one. 
<laughs> I need I need to focus first on the zone six that yeah. I still have to convince him to sell it though. Sublim he, I don't think he's quite ready. Mm. But I know he will. Just roll up your nickels and dimes and just be prepared for that day going exactly up the cash. That's right. I've got it right here. Very fun. Mm-hmm. Well, all right. I think we've pretty much covered everything we want to cover. Any parting thoughts, Susan, before we, Suzanne, before we sort of wind things down this evening? Parting thoughts. I've really enjoyed being on here. It's like just hanging out with, hanging out with friends. Well, there you go. <laughs> um, That's the idea. Yeah, I guess my parting thoughts are, you know, I hope people always remember to continue to shoot what they love and not go for likes. Mm -hmm. I know it's a hard thing sometimes. I, I know I can get caught up in it too, but the more I focus on just what I like to do, it, that's what's important, regardless of what anybody else says. Okay. okay. So this is Bill Smith with Classic Camera Revival. Stay cool and shoot tons of film and uh, enjoy the fall colors if you've got them in your area. This is Alex Lokes. Shoot what you love, with what you love, on what you love. Don't give up to the hype.